All right. Well, yes, today is the launch of our new series as we all sit in the dark together. Uh, pick, picture this. And uh, we are really excited about this. What we're going to do is each week we're going to take a different kind of picture and we're going to discuss what that type of picture says about some of the different things that you saw in the video, uh, things related to our brokenness, uh, some of the issues that we struggle with in life. We can learn a lot from looking at pictures. And so each week will be a different one. Today we're looking at family portraits. And we, we are excited about this because I believe that pictures are a big part of our lives. Um, every single person nowadays just about carries a camera with them everywhere that they go. I am the owner of the most commonly used camera in the world. It is called the iPhone. More pictures are taken on an iPhone than any other camera in the world. And so it's a big part of our lives, and it, it is something that we pay a lot of attention to. Uh, Instagram is an app that has just pictures on it. Just pictures, and not even good panoramic ones. They're a square. You can only do a square for, on Instagram. And with Instagram, there are over 300 million users for Instagram. That is people who do nothing but uh, when they go on that app, they look at pictures. That's all that's there. But it's a huge part of our lives. And one of the ways that, that I've noticed this pick up and the way that pictures have an impact on our culture is uh, I am one of a few people who post things on social media for Martha Bowman. And we have this little thing that's set up with Facebook where we can get insights back as to how many times something is viewed, how many people engage with it, how many people were reached by it. If we post a picture, okay, we post a picture on social media uh, we are guaranteed just about to have over 400 people reached by that picture. Um, now, that number may not mean much to you, but we have uh, a little over 400 people here every week between our three services for worship. That means every time we post a picture, we have the same opportunity we do on a Sunday morning. We have the same opportunity to reach that many people. And so if you were to go back and you were to look at the stats on our highest rated post in the past four months, in the top ten, nine of them are pictures. There is a picture in the post that draws people to it. The only one that was not was uh, when the Chattanooga shootings happened. We had one where we were offering up a prayer for Chattanooga. That one got a lot of reach as well. But our, we had one that, uh, I'm not even sure, I was out of town when this happened, so somebody, probably David, took this from the sound booth. We had a girls' night here um, last month. That it, there is a picture, you can't even make out any faces of anybody, but it is a picture taken from the back of the room of people that were here for that. That is our highest rated post of the past four months. It, it just, it draws you in, it draws, yeah, I know, that's kind of exciting, but we, we notice pictures. Pictures are something that we notice. That one had about 900 people were reached by that picture. Um, but we, we notice them, and, and sometimes we notice them for good reasons like that, and sometimes we notice them for the wrong reasons. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was eating lunch with a few guys that I'm going through a program with. We were 
doing class in Kentucky, and we had a lunch break, and we went to this diner that is known for this thing called the Hot Brown. Now, what the Hot Brown is, is it is um, an open-faced sandwich with uh, turkey and ham, and then they pour gravy all over it. Then they top it in about two or three different kinds of cheese, and then they just, because that's not enough, they put a few strips of bacon on top. Okay, so these guys wanted to get a hot brown, and so we go and we get a hot brown, and we're sitting there, and uh, it comes time to order. I'm like, I, I can't do that. that that's just that's a little too much for me. So they had a vegetarian option of the hot brown. And so I got the vegetarian hot brown. All other three guys got the regular meated hot brown. And the veggie hot brown had asparagus and zucchini and a different kind of frou-frou cheese. And I'm sitting there and I go, oh, I'm going to take a picture of this. I want to show, uh, you know, some people what I had to eat. And, and they go, you're not really going to post that picture, are you? I was like, what, what are you saying? They're like, you got the vegetarian uh, hot brown. I mean, I would understand us taking a picture and posting our hot brown, but I don't think you want people to know that, that you actually ate uh, the vegetarian hot brown. And I said, well, I like asparagus and zucchini and things like that. And they said, well, just be careful because you, you never know where that picture is going to wind up. You take that picture, it might wind up in your photo screen. Next thing you, kn you know people see this picture and they're going to ask, why was this guy taking a picture of asparagus and zucchini? Well, one of the guys said, you, you really do have to be careful about that. And he told this story about his dad. His dad is uh, in his 60s or 70s, and he was wanting to motivate himself to lose weight. And so he took a selfie in front of, you'll learn about selfies next week, don't worry. But he took a selfie of himself in nothing but his underwear standing in front of the mirror so that he can motivate himself. He was just going to keep that picture on his phone. He wanted to motivate himself to lose weight. Well, um, fast forward a few weeks, it got in with his pictures and scrolling on his photo stream, and it's on the screensaver for their computer. And they have some people over for dinner, and they have it connected to the TV because they're going to show something off the computer. And all of a sudden, they're just standing around talking, and... Old guy and tidy whities nothing but tidy whities comes up on the screen. And, it, you know, you just got to be careful with pictures. Uh, th this is mainly a message for uh, teenagers. Uh, be careful what you post. Um, but also for everyone, uh, I know, for everyone, just be careful that you don't even take the picture. Um, just, just don't even do it because you never know who's going to end up seeing it. But we, we notice pictures, and pictures all have a story behind them of some sort. Now, I'm, we're going to scroll through a few of my pictures um, just because I, I didn't want to embarrass anybody else. So we're going to use my own personal examples. Now, some pictures, the story is best left untold. Now, the story behind this picture probably doesn't ever need to be told. And so we're just going to leave that one at that. Now, the, the next picture... Uh, this is a picture from, I believe, my wedding. Um, now, the story behind this, obviously, on the surface level, it's me, my wife, and our wedding party were all very happy. Um, the reason I'm very happy is because this is one of the last pictures that we took, and it meant that we were winding down, because the story that I remember about taking pictures was my dad telling me, you're starting to grimace with your smile. You're starting to grimace with your smile. I said, this is the 914th picture I've taken in the past hour. But also, I had a broken tooth 
it hurt to smile my entire wedding day. And I did a lot of smiling that day. I had to take a lot of pictures. So that's a story behind that one. This next picture, this is from my graduation day from seminary. You will not find a picture of me from that day where I am not smiling. Because it was the culmination of three years of exhausting work, working 40 hours a week at the church, working 30 to 40 hours a week on school, and I was just excited to make it. I was excited to be alive, and so every single picture, I've got this really big smile on my face. There, there's a story behind every picture. And then there's this one. This is a picture that actually a lot of you own. Uh, kind of awkward, isn't it? But this is me and my wife. This is our portrait that's in the church directory. And uh, we got this really cutesy frame for it. And I don't have a digital copy of it, so I had to scan it. And I wasn't going to mess with the cutesy frame, so I just scanned the frame as well. But th this is what we're talking about today, our family pictures. Now, the reason I chose a church directory picture is because I had a lot of involvement with our church directory, which meant I got to encounter a lot of people coming for their directory pictures. And what I noticed is that what you see in the final picture is not always a true tale of what happened when that family comes. Now, those of you with kids, you know that you have probably taken a family photo where you're screaming at one kid, you had to go through all the stress of getting them dressed and being perfect. I understand for pastor's kids, it's like the biggest nightmare of, of the year because the pastor's family's got to look perfect in, in the picture. Thankfully, it was just me and my wife. We didn't have to deal with kids. Um, and then you had some people like Jeremy and Liz Hammock had their dog in the picture, and the dog had to look perfectly straight. And so there's probably a story there, and there's also the stories of all the people that looked at them funny. Why are you bringing a dog on church property? And so everyone has a story behind their family portrait. And here's why I think family portraits are an appropriate starting point for this series. Because I think every family portrait is designed to put on the best face possible. And a lot of times behind that picture, behind that picture where they're smiling, there's a story there. And a lot of times there's brokenness there. And a lot of times that presentation of the nice flush lawn with the beautiful house in the background is only the tip of the iceberg. And when you get below that tip, it's not always pretty. And so this morning, we're going to jump in and we're going to read a scripture that isn't about pictures. Um, I couldn't find any about pictures. So uh, we are going to go with this scripture from the Gospel of Mark. And Jesus is uh, at a dinner setting and we're going to read through this. And I believe that this has a lot to say to us about that tension we have between that family portrait being this perfect portrayal of everything being great and the stories and sometimes the brokenness that's beneath that. And so if you want to follow along, the scripture will be on the screen throughout the message. This is verse 1 and 2. The Pharisees and some legal experts from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. They saw some of his disciples eating food with unclean hands. They were eating without first ritually purifying their hands through washing. Now, it goes on to explain that the Pharisees 
applied this not only to hands, but they believed in, in washing plates and washing cups and washing all of these things. And it was all predicated on, on the outside looking perfect. And what it was, it was actually, Jesus is going to get onto him a little bit, because what they had done is they had taken a, a regulation that was for priests about ritually purifying themselves before they made sacrifices. And they applied it to everyone, um, regardless of whether they were a priest or not. And they applied it to all these mealtimes. And so every time people would go to the marketplace, the Pharisees said, when you come home, you've got to wash your hands first. Now, this was not a hygiene issue like we would think of it today. It was not a hygiene issue at all. It was some sort of ritual thing that they had just determined this applies to everyone. And so we're going to make everybody do this. And so the first thing that we need to do when it comes to this whole issue of the appearances is resist the ungrounded traditions. Now, a lot of times there are unstated ungrounded traditions. This might be uh, a tradition that you have, that I have been guilty of from time to time, and that is using the word fine. When someone asks you how you are, you immediately respond, I'm fine, or I'm good. And a lot of times you're not fine, a lot of times you're not good, but you just don't want to get into it, and you just want to give this appearance. Everything's normal, just keep moving, just keep moving. I remember one day, uh, a friend of mine, we were hanging out at, at his house, and he, he was doing some stuff in the kitchen, and we were, we were talking, and I, I said, uh, how are you doing? And he goes, I'm okay. And, and then he said, how, how are you? I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of okay, too. He said, thank you for saying that. Because so often people just respond fine and you don't really hear what's really going on. And we started talking and we started, he started sharing and I started sharing. And, and we both had issues that we were working through and we were able to actually give guidance to one another in the midst of that. But a lot of times if we just keep up the appearances, those ungrounded traditions, we're going to miss out on, on having real-life conversations. Now, some traditions are good. Some traditions are passed down for a reason, but a lot of those traditions of trying to have the certain perception of everything um, can be misleading for our lives and actually help cause us to miss out on what's best. The scripture continues with this. So the Pharisees and legal experts asked Jesus, why are your disciples not living according to the rules handed down by the elders, but instead eat food with ritually unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied about you hypocrites. He wrote, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is empty, since they teach instructions that are human words. You ignore God's commandment while holding on to rules created by humans and handed down to you. And what he does over the course of the next few verses is he goes through this progression and he says that uh, in verse 8, the word is ignore. In verse 9, the word is reject. And in verse 13, the word is do away with or make void in some translations. But these are the things that we tend to do when we hold on to ungrounded traditions 
when we hold on to that mindset of giving the best appearance possible, we come to a place where we start to ignore, reject, and do away with God's commands. And Jesus is building something. He's going somewhere. And, and what he is saying, he wouldn't have used the term Christian, but I think what this would say to us today is that sometimes we run the risk of letting us appear as Christians, replacing actually being Christian. We let the appearance of being Christian actually replace being Christian. And you see this all the time in church world. Church people are some of the worst ones at it. There was an old video, uh, those of you who uh, have done things like the walk to Emmaus probably remember this, but there was a, an old video where people wore masks to church, and everything they said was fake, and, and you got to see them driving to church, and you saw the, the parents fighting, and you saw the, the couple that was facing a divorce, but they get to church, and they put on that face, and a lot of times that is how we operate. We operate in a certain way, and in, in public, we, we only do certain things because we're afraid of what the perception might be. And we let perception drive us more than the actual true heart of what God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. And this is where Jesus kind of brings it all together. Um, towards the end of this section... He says these words, and this is where it all kind of comes together. He had, he had talked about how don't focus on the outside, focus on the inside. It's what's, it's what's on the inside that really has the power. And this is what he says in verses 21 through 23. It's from the inside, from the human heart, the evil faults come. Sexual sins, thefts, murders, adultery, greed, Evil actions, deceit, unrestrained immorality, envy, insults, arrogance, and foolishness. All these evil things come from the inside and contaminate a person in God's sight. And this is where it all comes together. It's really the heart that matters. It's not about the appearance. In another place, Jesus said to the Pharisees, Woe to you because you clean the outside of the cup, but inside you're full of greed and filth. First clean the inside and the outside will be clean as well. And it's that inside part of us. And I'm talking about us individually, even though it's within the context of families, because I believe that what I have seen over the years is that most problems within families are caused by issues that are within the people that make up that family. And if we get that inside part right, it makes the outside a little more holy and a little more put together. I was in a meeting a few weeks ago uh, with several other pastors, and at one point in the meeting, uh, we were just doing some constructive criticism. We were uh, debating something and kind of bringing our different perspectives to it. And as we, we moved through that, one person just, just went off. They got incredibly fed up and they started screaming and pitching a fit and using words I'm not going to repeat. And we were, we were sitting there and we didn't really know how to handle it. And, and we just kind of smoothed it over and kind of realized, okay, this meeting needs to wrap up. It's been a long night. 
people need to go home. And, and so we, we kind of moved through that. And as we, a few of us were around afterwards reflecting on it, this was the, the thing that came to my mind is that uh, we all view the world through the lens of our own brokenness. And we, what we had was somebody that was very broken on the inside and something triggered something and that caused an eruption that came to the outside. And we have to get that inside part right. We have to get our hearts right. We have to deal with the root issues. When I was in college, I led this uh, worship service that was all student-led my freshman and sophomore year of college. And one night, um, I got up, and I remember the name of the message was, I didn't get the memo. And the, the entire context of I didn't get the memo was there was a guy who, who was a freshman. I was a sophomore at the time. And I was one of the, the leaders on campus in religious life. And I had said something that he apparently didn't like. I, I, I think it was a choice of words or, or something. Um, probably not the, it probably wasn't anything good that I said. But he went a little off the deep end. And he... Uh, actually wrote an article uh, that went in this little underground newspaper, student-produced newspaper, and in that article, he basically just blasted me for not having a good Christian witness, and he quoted whatever it was that I had said. He said, our Christian leaders shouldn't be talking like this. So in my message, I didn't get the memo. Uh, I responded to that um, in not the most holy of ways. And you can imagine from that title, I didn't get the memo, it was I didn't get the memo that I had to be perfect to be a Christian. And I just went off and off and off and off. And then my friend, Charlie Moore, who is not a man of a lot of words, he walked into my dorm room. He would come over to my dorm room a lot and just fall asleep on my bed. It was really weird. But um, all throughout freshman and sophomore year, he couldn't take a nap in his own dorm, so he would always come take a nap in my room. It was odd. And so he, he showed up. I figured he was just there to take a nap. And I said, that's right there. And uh, he, he looked at me. He said, I don't think that people come to worship to hear about all your stuff. And I knew exactly what he meant. And in one act of maturity for me, uh, it was a rare one, uh, in one act of maturity, I didn't even counter it. I didn't even fight back. I knew exactly what he meant by my stuff. He meant worship isn't the place. He did y'all a favor. He really did. Ten years before any of this ever happened. But he, he did me a huge favor because I realized there are things that I need to take care of inside of me that if I don't, it's going to come out of me and it's going to contaminate. And a lot of times we see that in our relationships. We see that in our families where there are things going on inside of our hearts that are tearing us apart or there is brokenness that we are experiencing and we are letting that affect our relationships. What is on the inside has impacted the outside. And my mindset was I was operating in an outside-the-cup mentality instead of an inside-the-cup mentality. I was looking at things going, I've got a good Christian witness. There, there are a lot of things I do right. I'm, 
hanging out with all the right people. I'm making all the right choices. I don't go to the wrong parties. I don't, I'm not seen with the, the wrong people around campus. And what I was missing was the point entirely. There were things on my inside that weren't right. And I knew it. And I had to get those things right. And until I got those things right, my impact on the outside couldn't be changed. And my outside perception at that point wasn't even accurate. And then there's the whole issue of our families. I think a lot of us, we look at our family portraits and we know that there's brokenness behind those pictures. We know that there are things beneath those pictures, stories behind there, where we are not completely whole. And our families are not completely whole. And something that's the story behind our family portrait that we showed earlier is that that picture is a good picture. Um, it turned out well. We smiled at the right time. Um, we didn't, they didn't do any of the ones where they did, you know, tilt your head like that. Um, I've never understood that. But it was a good picture. But Emma and I know that that was from one of the toughest years of our entire marriage. Now, we haven't been married forever, but um, we've been married almost six years. And that particular year was probably the toughest of all years that we went through. There's a story behind that picture. And so after we came out of that year, uh, one of the things that she and I started doing um, is individually, uh, we started going and seeing a counselor. Um, not as in a, our life was falling apart, but just we wanted to be healthier. And uh, we don't go every week, we don't go every month, we just kind of go as needed. Um, and that has been incredibly beneficial to work through some of the things on our inside um, so that we can deal with them. And at, at one point, we said, you know, I'm not really sure where we're going with our, our marriage. We just kind of seem to be on autopilot. Um, maybe there's a better direction we could go. And so we went and met with a counselor together. Um, and a lot of times, we try to keep this big perception that everything's great, that everything's perfect, that the family is together, the family is great. But on the inside, there's brokenness. On the inside, there are things that need to be fixed. And sometimes those inside things are within us as individuals. And sometimes the actual relationship is broken and needs repairing. And so this morning, our challenges are this. What needs to change in your heart? What needs to change within you um, so that you can live a more God-honoring life in such a way where, where there is peace within you, where there is joy within you, where there is love and compassionate within you, so that the evil things that Jesus talked about, the murder, adultery, greed, evil, uh, deceit, envy, insults, arrogance, and foolishness, all those things aren't the things that people see. It's not about putting up the right perception. It's about what happens on the inside. And the second question is this. What is hidden behind your family picture? What's the story? Someone wants to look at your family picture and say, oh, what was going on that day? Did y'all just 
set a time and everybody came together and took the picture and everybody smiled and then everybody went their separate ways? Was there fighting in the hallway? Was there, there screaming on the front lawn? Something break in the kitchen? What needs repairing that's hidden behind that portrait? And then the last thing is this. I think that when we realize what's broken within us, it empowers us to impact those that we see and the perception and the way that we see others. And so I uh, might want to reflect on that as well this week. But the band's going to come back up, and we're going to go into a time of, of singing and reflection and I invite you uh, to use this opportunity this morning to come to the altar, to come and to pray, to reflect on what it is that God might be calling you to change within you or within your family. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you just for the desire that you have for us to be people that are whole the desire that you have for us to be people that have good things within our hearts. And so, Lord, I ask this morning that you would do a work within all of us, that you would do a work within me, you would do a work within my family, you would do a work within each individual represented here and each family that is represented by those individuals. But, God, that you would do something within us where we would see our brokenness and we would see how we need you and how we need to focus our hearts on you and dedicate our lives to you so that we are living not just with the appearance of honoring you, but with the actual being within us of honoring you. Lord, I pray for each of us in this room that as we reflect this morning, as we reflect this next week, that you would speak to us, God. You would show us the things within us that need to change. You would show us the strains in our relationships at home that need to change. Help us to honor you more and help us to be whole. It's in your holy name we pray.